0: is an Odyssey original. This is KNX In-Depth. I'm Rob Archer.
1: And I'm Elsa Ramon in for Charles Feldman today. Amazon now the target of a big lawsuit. You may be thinking, what's the big deal? They've faced lawsuits before, but this is a monopoly lawsuit. And it's led by the federal government. We're going to go in-depth into what this might mean for the online giant.
0: Cards getting fancier. Thieves are getting smarter when it comes to stealing them. We go in-depth in how you can better protect yours. And men are finding love by creating AI girlfriends. But one expert says this could do way more harm than good. Mm, I'm going to reserve my comment for that for now.
1: But we're going to start with the... Big Monopoly lawsuit against Amazon. William Kavasik is a George Washington University law professor and former Federal Trade Commission chair. And William, I know people might hear lawsuit and Amazon and it goes one ear and out the other. But this is a big deal because they are apparently doing some very big no-nos that stifles innovation, stifles uh, competition uh, raises prices for consumers, a lot of things outlined in this lawsuit.
2: Yeah, the uh, this is truly a big deal. It's the Federal Trade Commission and 17 states challenging a host of practices that go to the very heart of the way that Amazon operates its marketplace. So what's at stake is the possibility that the court, if it's persuaded by the FTC, would require a fundamental change in the way in which they do business.
0: So what uh, What kind of change will we be talking about here, breaking it up into separate, uh, separate businesses?
2: Uh, the, the possibility of a structural remedy is muted in the complaint. It's laid out there as an option. But the principal focus of attention is to forbid the company from using a number of practices that tend to uh, raise the price of, of products that users do acquire over the marketplace, that make it harder for sellers to operate on other online platforms and generally make it difficult for other online platforms to emerge. So the, the the principal focus of the case is on changing behavior, but the possibility of a restructuring is certainly left on the table.
1: So what does that do as far as consumers are concerned? Uh, you know, it, it's kind of uh, these actions seem to be bullying uh, their rivals and sellers, not just bullying, but taking action to you know bury other sellers products on the platform they're preventing the rivals to compete fairly but what does this mean to the consumer the person who uses amazon every day
2: yeah the core theory of the ftc's case is that as much as many users are happy with their amazon experience their experience would have been much better were it not for these practices that there is a way in which commerce could be evolving that would offer users a better experience on Amazon's platform and the opportunity to take advantage of other platforms that might emerge. So a a core element of the FTC's case is that the quality of your experience and the price you pay would be a lot better were it not for the behavior. Let
0: me play devil's advocate for a second and say that uh, from Amazon's uh, viewpoint, uh, you know, people might complain about them and might feel like, uh, yeah, I've heard stories they are bullying people. But uh, people like shopping and buying stuff from Amazon. It's a big business. It's getting bigger and bigger. People keep buying stuff from them. So uh, is there a concern among those who are prosecuting this lawsuit that uh, perhaps they're going to run against uh, the, the way people think it's more convenient for them to just go to Amazon and get it?
2: I think they probably are aware that the toughest part of their case is going to be addressed to address arguments that Amazon makes that says every single thing that you're complaining about ultimately enabled us to give a better experience to users that first we don't think your portrayal of the facts is correct but we think you fundamentally misunderstand how our product our service coming from nowhere since the mid 90s has offered a better experience to users so that main defense that they're going to raise is that who are we rooting for in this whole framework of competition policy? Are we rooting for for the consumers or are we cheering for competitors that aren't being treated as well as they like? Amazon's main argument that the FTC is going to have to wrestle with is that all that we did was to give users a better experience. And we should not throw that away in the hope of having something that in a very ethereal way may have been better.
0: All right, William Kovacek, thank you so much. Uh, George Washington University Law School professor, former Federal Trade Commission chair, talking about this uh, huge uh, monopoly lawsuit against Amazon.
1: Right now, though, L.A. County is looking to settle a lawsuit over homeless services by offering to provide an extra 3,000 beds for mental health and substance use treatment by 2026. But will it help? Reverend Andy Bales is CEO of Union Rescue Mission on Skid Row. Uh, Reverend, thank you so much for joining us. It sounds good. 3,000 new beds. Uh, that's wonderful, but there's so much homelessness. As of January, there were 75,000, over 75,000 people experiencing homelessness in the county and 46,000 in just the city of Los Angeles. I mean, it's a step in the right direction, but But how good is it?
3: Well, it's a step in the right direction. It's something. It's 3,000 that was called for back in 2019. So it's past time to make it happen. I'm thankful for the LA Alliance for Human Rights for stepping in and pressuring our city and county to begin to work together. So I guess it's progress, but it, it is not enough to make sure that we caring for every human being that's left on the streets and until we get to that day we will not live up to being the city or county of of the of of angels
0: you know uh, this is one of those problems that we as a society look at especially here because it's so in our faces it, we look at it as if, you know, the, the, the dirty truth is that this is an intractable problem. We can't solve this problem. But the reality is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there are solutions, but we don't want to do those solutions because it would cause, uh, call for a fundamental shift in how we construct our society. Is, is that not the case? Is there a solution to this whole crisis without this little piecemeal attempt to help a few people here and a few people there?
3: Yes, there there are solutions. There are building solutions. There are innovation solutions. There are mental health solutions. There uh, there are solutions. There are focus on recovery solutions. We just do not have as of yet the willpower. But this is this is a move in the right direction, and perhaps we're going to get there. I hope in my lifetime we get there.
1: You know, it's, it's great we're seeing a shift here and seeing some of the resources being freed up and provided. But the truth of the matter is you can't force people to take advantage of these services when they do free up and become available. What do you think the strategy needs to be to help get the people to make the decision to finally extend a hand and, and reach out for some help?
3: I'm hoping there's some teeth to the governor's care court that Mayor Karen Bass is piloting uh, uh, and convinced him to pilot right away in L.A. County, and I'm hoping that we see some turnarounds and see significant gains, and people do see that when you—I've I, I, helped 20 people get off the streets through a mental health referee in my life. and. 20 did find help after I got them off the streets. So. If we start seeing people actually receiving help. And uh, making a difference, perhaps will will the pendulum will swing back a little bit to. Not leaving somebody to destroy themselves on the streets.
0: And the other issue is too. Uh, so many people don't see uh, the homeless as people, uh, and I don't mean that in the bad way. I mean is is they don't have the conception of them as individual human beings who are going through something absolutely horrible and terrible, and that is being homeless and on the street and having no resources and no other options. Uh, it, it also runs into this uh, idea of uh, people not wanting it in their backyard. Uh, is there a way that uh, the work you do, or maybe uh, government agencies, could also step in to help humanize the people who are living on the streets so that, so that it changes uh, everyone else's perceptions about them?
3: Absolutely. Uh, we have to listen to the neighbors before we put something in their neighborhood, listen to their concerns about accountability and about management and about security. And we have to uh, run our places with people devastated by homelessness in a way that that helps them stay busy through the day and, and not uh, cause trouble for their neighbors. And we're not doing a good job of that through some of the policies that we have, unfortunately.
1: You know, one of the sad things that I, I realized in all these stats that get thrown out about homelessness is that the fastest growing population of homeless are senior citizens, And that is just absolutely terrible that our aging population doesn't have anywhere to go or maybe doesn't have family nearby or anyone to take care of them. Um, Do you see a different strategy in helping unhoused seniors versus other people who may have other issues that are on the streets?
3: Well, they need care like everyone else. And uh, we're going to double the number of senior apartments out at Hope Gardens as soon as we can. Um, and and double the work that we do with seniors and that's that's where we we need to invest in all age groups transitional age youth um, single men and women families and uh, elderly because they're all they're all growing and uh, families for families for us and and elderly have been the fastest growing uh, need this year and we can't we really have had a hard time keeping up.
0: All right, Reverend Andy Bales, thank you so much for joining us today. CEO of Union Rescue Mission on Skid Row.
1: Coming up, can you find love with an AI girlfriend? I mean, why not? You can just teach her to love you, right? <laughs> Some men are trying it, but it may create bigger problems than it's worth.
0: Right now, though, as you already know, Hawaii's governor announced tourists are going to be formally allowed to return to West Maui and the Lahaina area in two weeks after last month's fires. But not everybody there is happy about that. Jordan Ruides uh, started a petition to delay the reopening. Uh, she is with us now. Thanks so much for joining us today.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: First of all, before we get to uh, talking about your petition and, and your reasons for it, uh, how are you?
4: I am good. Um, I actually reside in Honokawai, which is about 5-10 minutes north of all the devastation. So fortunately, we are good, but our town is in ashes right now.
1: Right. And uh, our, we were talking with our producer, and because of that, your kids have to go to a different school because their school burned down. But the, the, the amount of time you take to have to get them back and forth is unsustainable, and it's really just incredible. What, what is the situation?
4: Um, So, yes, as of right now, the parents who did re-enroll their children in um, schools are having to either bus their children out 45 minutes to an hour each way to schools on the other side of the island, um, or there are some hubs that are doing makeshift um, distance learning at some of, like, the churches and stuff, and those options are just two days a week right now. Um, So right now, we're really trying to push the government to... Take steps into reestablishing um, safe options for our keiki to go to school in Lahaina.
0: All right. So you've got a petition. You want to delay the reopening. Uh, uh, first of all, tell us why you think it needs to be delayed, and, and do you have an idea in your head about how long it should be delayed?
4: Um. So I'll talk about how long we think it should be delayed first. Um, everybody's asking, "Oh, what date do you folks think?" And there's actually, there, it's hard to pinpoint a date. Our government re- needs to really step up and needs to secure long-term housing for these 10,000 residents who are just dis- are still displaced. We have about 7,500 in the hotels right now, um, so we're asking the government to really step up and secure long-term housing for these folks. Some I had somebody reach out to me this morning saying that Red Cross told them they have 24 hours to be out of their place. That's that's almost inhumane to ask of a family to leave in 24 hours especially when you have kids especially on top of thinking oh my gosh i have to go back to work so we're asking that number one is to get these people into long-term housing second of all with the schooling options that we talked about lahaina barely has um schools for our kids and we do not have any child care for um younger kids as in daycare so um it's hard to ask these people to go back to work when these basic needs are not being provided um are, I'm I'm confused if these people are supposed to bring their kids to work with them or what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, can't, I can't imagine the situation. Um, But your, your yeah. governor is really is starting to push to reopen and get those tourism dollars because that money is extremely important. The tourism industry is very important to the island. But are you talking just specifically for Lahaina or for uh, in general? So that's that's been
4: another downfall of our government is that they have not put any advertisements out to you folks in the mainland that Maui has still been open. The rest of Maui has been open this whole time. The rest of the island has been waiting with open arms to receive you folks. And um, they haven't done a good job putting that out there. And now they want to put advertisements that Lahaina's open. This money should have been used this whole time since um, August 8th to let people know that the rest of Maui is still open, but Lahaina needs more time for us to kind of pick our lives back together. And one day we will be ready to reopen, but right now we do not feel ready.
0: And the rest of the islands also uh, can still take tourists, and some of that money would go into state coffers that can then be used to help uh, your area.
4: Right, right. And that's the thing is uh, it's it's really, there is a bit of a disconnect between the two worlds of, We're not ready. We need to get our lives situated. And people on the other side of the island who didn't lose um, houses, you know, and they still have their businesses, there's a little bit of disconnect. And it's really sad because our government is the one creating this in a time that we should really be sticking together as one. Um, Our government has not provided many assistance or even solutions for these people with businesses. So I really, really feel for them. And like I said, the government should have been pushing advertisements to the mainland since the fires that Maui is still open. Maui never closed. It was just Lahaina that closed.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Jordan. Ruidas, starting a petition to uh, delay the reopening for that specific area, West Maui and the Lahaina area, uh, for joining us today on the show.
1: You are listening to KNX In-Depth with Rob Archer. I'm Elsa Ramon in for Charles Feldman.
0: All right. So let's imagine this scenario. You come home after a long day at work. Let's say you're a KNX news anchor and you're really, really tired. Okay. (laughs) You get home from work and you put your keys on the table or maybe they fall off the table and you got to pick them up, put them back on the table. Your cats come meowing at you because they want food and you're very irritated and everything. (laughs) Maybe I went into too much detail. Uh, But then later, maybe you go outside to take out the trash and you find out that your car is gone.
1: Yeah. I mean, just like that poof, like you said, magic. Thieves are using the latest technology to hack into a car's computer system to steal it. Here to explain how you can protect your car is Steve LaBello, owner of SNA Security Specialists near Chicago. Steve, how are they doing this with your keys that are inside of the house?
5: So it's very simple. It's called a relay attack. And basically what it is, it is two devices where one thief will walk up to the front of your building and he has what he calls a a signal repeater. So once he gets a hold of the key signal, because your key is always emitting a small signal, what they do is energize that signal and send it across a couple of yards or a couple hundred feet, depending on the tool. Receiver. Once he receives the signal, he just simply touches the door handle on the car, and the vehicle thinks the key is there. Then it just allows you to get in, step on the brake, start it, and drive away.
0: You know that is kind of scary because that is how my car works. I don't have an expensive car; I've got a basic car, but it's got the the modern features on it. I've got a a key fob, not so much a real key. And uh, when I'm carrying the key with me, when I touch my car door, the car knows I've got the key. It opens up. I push the start button and away I go. So you're saying that criminals have figured out ways to hack into that signal and can steal your car right out from underneath you. So are you telling us that we need to go back to the old fashioned days where we had physical keys you had to put into the car?
5: Uh, I mean, that's pr- preferably what I would want on my vehicles, so a standard heat ignition.
3: Absolutely.
0: All right. But but if you can't do that, what, what can you do to protect yourself? All right. I, I, we're having difficulty there connecting with him. I think uh, a car thief has hacked his signal and he can't uh, talk to us. But let's see if we can reconnect with him, uh, tell the producers out there. Uh we're going to reconnect with him I anything on a phone line because I really want to find out how do you protect yourself from well, this because okay, that's scary.
1: Okay, so this is keyless entry, and he right. says it's emitting a signal. But remember when we didn't have protections for our credit cards, debit cards, and all those that have the little chips inside of it, our, the passports that yeah. have little chips inside of it, you can get wallets and things that stop those signals well, from they, being... Well, they
0: purport to, let's yeah, put it that okay, way. They yeah. are
1: that claim to yeah. be able to do that. So are we going to have to do that with our keys for keyless entry. I mean, anything that emits some kind of signal, apparently, uh, leaves us vulnerable.
0: Yeah. And uh, so if you see somebody hanging around, I guess, outside your home uh, with a little uh, electronic device, you got to go out there and ask them what they're doing or call the police. All right. We are. okay. We've got them back with us now. Thanks for uh, rejoining us, Steve Lobetto. We were were worried that maybe you had gotten hacked by a car thief.
5: (laughs) I would hope not, considering on yeah. the security shop.
0: All right. So I was asking you, uh, you know, without having to go get an old car uh, with an actual key, what can we do to protect ourselves if you have, you know, keyless entry and your key fob?
5: So what you can do to prevent a relay attack is, is very quite simple. The easiest trick of them all, uh, you can place your smart key inside an aluminum box that is 100% aluminum with a lid on it. Or... It's also known as a Faraday pouch. They sell them online, Amazon or eBay. Or you could just do the easiest method, get some thick Reynolds wrap and put your keys inside some tinfoil when when the vehicle's not being used. I don't have to put the tinfoil on my head? You do not. You do not. But what the tinfoil essentially does, it blocks the key from emitting its signal.
1: Okay, and that's what you're trying to do to emit the signal. We were, uh, Rob and I were talking while you were reestablishing the signal that you know, uh, credit cards, debit cards, uh, passports, anything that has those chips in it. There are wallets and other things that are being sold to that that claim to, to stop the emission of those signals. Do you think there's going to be something else uh, aside from some big pouch <laughs> you
5: have to put your keys in four keys there's to be nothing. able to
1: stop that signal?
5: We already have methods that we use here in uh, River Gorge, Illinois. Uh, It is basically a device that we install in the vehicle, and it prevents these key programmers and relay attacks from basically cloning your key or programming a new key to the vehicle. So we're already doing measures in place.
0: All right. And uh, one host, the auto industry is also working on uh, extra security precautions. Like, you know, at work, when we log into something, they always tell us who two-factor authentication uh, do that. Is there maybe something like that that would be for the car keys?
5: Uh, I'm I'm quite sure there probably is something like that. Um, Just a matter of someone developing it. But, you know, you can stop a relay attack easily by doing those methods I said earlier. But if, they, if they're coming equipped with a key programmer on your vehicle, you're defenseless. You know, that's yeah. it.
0: All right. Thanks so much. Uh, Steve Labello, owner of S&A Security Specialist near Chicago, about how uh, thieves can, can hack your keys wireless signal to get into your car. So you want to go buy a lot of aluminum foil. Right. For food and,
1: and keys. And
0: wrap your <laughs> keys in it. And also, if you want to, put it on Our your head. head.
1: Hey. Yeah, if it calls for it. Yeah. Remember that 80s movie, Weird Science? One of the best of that whole genre, the 80s movie genre. Two teens create a woman to basically be their girlfriend. Well, fast forward to 2023, and men now have AI girlfriends.
0: Now, I begin every segment that touches on this topic with the words that I, for one, would like to welcome our new AI overlords, <laughs> because I am convinced <laughs> that eventually AI and robots are going to take over, and I want them to know that I was always on their side, so I'll be okay. But apparently... Sure. Artificial intelligent girlfriends are an actual thing, and it's a thing that can, according to one expert here, can lead to very bad consequences. Uh, Liberty Vittert is a professor of data science at Washington University in St. Louis, also the author of an op-ed in The Hill today, which is fascinating, about uh, AI girlfriends. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I'm thinking of this old song by Atlanta Rhythm Section, Imaginary Lovers, and basically the idea is that, you know, for, for the guy who who wants uh, their imaginary lover to just be everything they want, to always agree with them, always uh, give them everything they want when they want it. Uh, Isn't this really the same thing? Is this the problem with AI girlfriends, so to speak, or is it something worse?
6: Well the, the the thing you have to realize is it's AI girlfriend not just a virtual girlfriend. So by definition with AI it learns from you. So it learns what you like, what you don't like and ends up giving you exactly what you want to hear or see every single time. So it's it's more than just some virtual girlfriend. It's this perfect relationship. It's hot Funny and bold, if that's what you're into, or cute, shy and modest, if that's more your cup of tea, it's exactly what you want.
1: But AI is something that learns right over uh, and it starts to piece together who you are, search engines, takes information from all that kind of stuff. So would these AI girlfriends remain Quote unquote, the perfect girlfriend, because eventually, don't you think they would learn to uh, counter maybe what you might say or maybe argue Uh, wouldn't they develop as opposed to just be programmed?
6: You would think so, but we're not, we're not there yet in terms of the technology. So these are what we call a closed system, which means the only thing they're programmed to do is to please you. So all they'll learn to do is to please you more and more. And at no point would they ever learn to challenge you or sort of get minds of their own to be able to say, well, maybe I don't want to do that today.
0: So let me see if I understand your argument. Is it that uh, men who are using these AI girlfriends uh, are are missing some important social cues of how to deal with real people, with real women, or with real uh, partners, whoever they want to be with, because they're used to this AI, uh, artificial intelligent person that can give them whatever they want when they want, and human beings don't do that. Is that, is that your argument, that this is what's uh, going to destroy a, a generation of men?
6: I think that that absolutely gets at it. But it goes a little bit further than that. You know, we're seeing millions of men choose AI girlfriends over real women, um, mostly due to sort of this silent loneliness epidemic that really got pushed over COVID specifically with young men. Uh, a men young men have uh, 60 percent of young men report being single as compared to 30 percent of young women so that's a two to one ratio but what that means is that they don't have relationships with real women they don't marry them and then they don't have babies with them and we are having a national crisis of not having enough babies in the united states we have six hundred thousand fewer births annually in 2023 in the united states relative to 15 years ago Um, The number of children per women has decreased by over 50% in the past 60 years, and we simply won't have enough people in our population to support the bills that we're going to have to pay over the next multiple decades. So these AI girlfriends are really enabling this generation of young men to not marry, to not have kids, and we simply won't have
1: enough people in our population in the future in the united states so basically you're saying the downfall of the human civilization well i mean <laughs> I I know that's dramatic yes yeah. <laughs> that's dramatic but when you say you know this this is starting to become that popular and then it leads to people don't get married and they don't have children and you know you don't get the genetic variety that keeps humans uh, alive and adapting and evolving I mean, what eventually does happen after that?
6: I'm going to have to add that last line to my thesis. I'm going to have to go beyond. We just can't pay our bills and <laughs> the end of civilization as we know it. All right. But so, I think so these are all issues we have to think about.
0: Right. And so, AI girlfriends, I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know if it's that much of a danger because at some point. Uh, and and perhaps AI will eventually evolve into physical robots. But at some point, you know, a person has physical needs and they, they're going to want that physical need that right now an AI girlfriend can't fulfill.
6: I, I That's absolutely true. They are uh, they are working on AI girlfriends that can fulfill those physical needs. But what's sort of shocking and what I think surprises people so much that don't really are not in this world of AI girlfriends is that. Men are simply not going to real women for years. They are with these AI girlfriends and they are creating real relationships with them. They are having the same type of emotional response if the AI girlfriend breaks up with them or they can't afford to have the subscription anymore. And they are uh, they are choosing to stay with these virtual Robots instead of having physical relationships, which is really hard for us to imagine. If that's not something that you are uh, a
0: part of. All right, thank you so much. It's uh, Liberty Vittert, uh, professor at uh, Washington University in St. Louis, also author, and you should read it when you get a chance. Some interesting points in there, uh, things to think about in the Hill today about AI girlfriends being the downfall. Of men.
1: Hey, you know, funny, I'm not hearing about AI boyfriends right now. Well,
0: I think she was saying the ratio is quite different from from women who are seeking AI boyfriends. It's quite different, which I think would be another interesting study to do. Why are men so much more Mm -hmm. into AI girlfriends than the other way around?
1: I like that. You can't pay the AI girlfriend bill. Right.
0: So she breaks up (laughs) with you. She
1: breaks up with you.
0: I'm sorry. (laughs) If you'd like to keep dating me, please insert your credit card number now what it is. All right. That's it for KNX In Depth uh, today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Els Ramon, and for Charles Feldman. I'm Rob Archer. We'll be back tomorrow.